Members from around the world use modern technology and fly in the cockpit with Chief Test Pilot Mike Carricker as he takes the new 787 Dreamliner on its first flight test. It's a wild ride. This Omnimax film now runs through November at the Cincinnati Museum Center. More information available at cincymuseum.org. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your public radio source for all the best and latest real estate investing news, tips, and strategies. And today is question and answer week. Unbelievable. It seems like I was just saying that last week, but it is the last Wednesday of the month. It is, therefore, Q&A day, which means the show is all about you. It's all about your questions, uh, whether they be about management, finance, buying, selling, renting, wholesaling, retailing, creative buying, whatever you would like to know, you can ask your questions by calling 772-9658 if you're listening here in the greater Cincinnati area, or by calling toll-free 877-772-9658 if you're listening to us on the web, or you can simply go to askvina at gmail.com send a an email and be sure to put radio show question in the subject line and be sure to let us know from where you are writing the real estate investors association of cincinnati holds its first meeting of the month of september coming up not tomorrow but a week from thursday september the second why talk about it so early? Because we have a very special guest, national mobile home expert, or sorry, self-storage expert. Oh, it's all the same thing, right? Little little boxes. Self-storage expert. Let's try that instead. Uh, we'll be joining us for our main meeting, uh, which is at the 730 meeting. Usual location, it's at the corner of... Reading and Seymour Avenue uh, in the Roselawnish Bond Hillish area, and all are welcome. That is a guest night, which means you can not only come but bring all of your friends, families, interested colleagues, etc. Uh, that is, um, sorry, Scott Myers, the nation's leading self storage expert. The topic is no tenants or toilets, how to make $10,000 a month in self-storage facilities. Again, that is not tomorrow. It is a week from tomorrow, but go ahead and put it on your calendar and remember to invite the folks you love who are interested in that very interesting little niche in real estate investing. It's Q&A day here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. And uh, without your questions, there is no show. So be sure and call us at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send them to askvina at gmail.com. I'm uh, going to pick up a few questions that we've gotten in the last two days from folks who are fans of Real Life Real Estate and therefore knew ahead of time what the program was going to be all about. You can become a fan at realliferealestateradio.com and get the heads up each week on what the show is all about. Uh, here is a question from Stan P. in Omaha, Nebraska. He says, Vina, what is your advice to find an attorney that understands private lending? I feel like everyone I talk to needs more training than I do. It's really frustrating. Uh, yes, Dan, you very quickly get to the point in real estate where you feel like you've got more training in it than a lot of professionals, including realtors and attorneys and CPAs and 
all sorts of folks like that. And the chances of you finding an attorney who already understands private lending outside of your own real estate association, pretty slim. Uh, first place I always go to find an attorney who understands any specialized little niche in real estate is to go to the real estate association and ask other folks who they are using because for the most part they have already trained their attorneys and I just have to step in and say how do I do this thing that you already know how to do. Uh, If you don't belong to a real estate association, go join one. If there's not a real estate association in Omaha, which I believe that there is, uh, then the thing to do is uh, find find an attorney who is familiar with contract law and sit down with him and just explain that basically you're trying to arrange the same sort of thing that banks do, except that you're going to be doing it with private individuals. Now, if your question is, which it may be now that I think about it, how do you find a securities attorney in Omaha who understands the state securities licensing issues in Nebraska? Boy, that's a whole different question. That's a very tiny, small handful. Uh, And I would Google securities attorney plus Nebraska to find that person because uh, those folks are few and far between. And by the way, they don't typically tend to understand specifically what how private lending fits into that. They are they are more experts in, you know, sort of corporate law usually. But good luck with that, Stan. And uh, again, best place is usually a real estate association. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing. Today is question and answer day. Had about five or six questions come in before the show even started, but uh, that's only going to take us up through like mm, first or second break. So if you have a question about any aspect of real estate investing, please give us a call at 772-9658. Or if you're outside the greater Cincinnati area at 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. We have a question here from David, who lives in Loveland, Ohio, who says, how can you search free and clear properties in Hamilton County? Uh, Well, that's a a very specific question, David. Hamilton County, of course, being... uh, you know, the county in which we reside. Uh, And we, of course, have a national listening audience. So uh, let me say that I have not found any specific way short of like showing up the courthouse and looking up properties one by one to see if there is a mortgage attached to them. But there are some ways that you can sort of guesstimate whether or not somebody might have a free and clear property. And one of the best ways to do that, of course, is look for people who've owned their properties for 20 years or more because they may very well have paid off their loan. Now, of course, they may have also refinanced three years ago. We don't know that until we actually contact them. But uh, do a search based on the date of purchase of the property. And if it was prior to, oh, 1990-ish, that's a pretty good start on a list of people who probably own their houses free and clear. And that would, of course, apply to any market in the United States. It's question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate. We're going to take a quick break, after which we're going to take your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Checking on traffic right now, accident Kenwood south of Creek, southbound 75 south of 12th Street in Covington on the right shoulder. Ebenezer at Bridgetown, Springdale east of Coleraine, and Coleraine at Hoppel are your accidents. Among the delays, westbound 275 slows between Mossdeller and 75. Tonight, uh, partly cloudy skies with a low around uh, 58 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high in the 70s, 77, 78 degrees. Should be a nice day tomorrow. Then Friday, sunny with a high near 80. Saturday, Sunday, highs in the mid-80s Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, and next week, highs back up in the upper 80s, maybe 90 degrees. But really no rain in the forecast. Right now it's 83 degrees here at 89.3. 
It's a new era of news on 89.3 FM WMKV as we team with Local 12 WKRC-TV. Listen for our Good Morning Cincinnati simulcast from Local 12 News each weekday morning on 89.3 FM and also 12 News at 6 p.m. weekday afternoons from 6 to 6.30. Now when it's not convenient to be near the TV for your Local 12 News, you can simply dial in WMKV at 89.3 FM or online at WMKVFM.org. WMKV is proud to partner with Local 12 and Local 12.2, the CW Cincinnati. Be listening for Good Morning Cincinnati and 12 News at 6 on WMKV 89.3 FM. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. And also for those of you that are in the greater Cincinnati area, don't forget that uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati has a new wholesaling subgroup that meets on the first Wednesday of every month, which is actually going to be a week from today. Uh, At the moment, it's at the Cactus Pair in Clifton on Jefferson Avenue. That location will be moving next month, and we will let you know uh, where the October meeting is. But uh, that one is open to all RIA members and, uh, you know, just it's a place to go and talk about network about wholesaling. There's been a lot, a lot of interest in that particular association uh, recently. So uh, we are taking your questions today. 772-9658-877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. It's question and answer week. So if you're waiting for my guests to come on, it's not going to happen. The guest is you and all of your questions. Uh, we've got one here from, boy, this is a long one. Dick in Rogers, Minnesota. It says, hello, Vina. I've been listening to the podcast of your show quite regularly. Enjoy them a lot. Thank you for what you do for our industry. Don't thank me, Dick. Thank WMKV. You'll get the opportunity to do that with your credit card in about two weeks. And just, just, just remember this when, when you hear that call. He says, I started investing... At the peak of the market in late 05 and early 06, I purchased my first three properties with subprime loans and seller carryback seconds to cover the down payment money. This was at a time when my W-2 income was great and I needed the tax write-offs. Now the corporate world and I have parted ways almost two years ago and I'm working strictly on my real estate business. I'm currently holding a dozen or so properties. Some were subject to deals, other were REOs bought with cash and refinanced, and I've recently started picking up rental properties by lease optioning them from the homeowner. My question is, what should I do with these first three properties? My reserves have been depleted. I'm trying to do loan modifications on all threes, but three, but I'm not being very successful because they are not owner occupied. They are upside down and costing me money. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope and may just let these three go back to the bank and move on. Well, Dick, if you did that, you would not be the only person around who was doing that. I know some extremely successful investors who are currently, uh, shall we say, culling their portfolios by going to lenders that that they have properties that are in similar situations, upside down and with negative cash flow, and saying to the lenders, there are two choices here. You can help me make this, if not profitable, at least break even, or you can have it. And if you don't care to lower my interest rate or modify my loan or in some way make it possible for me to own these rentals without taking money out of my family's pocket every month to do so, then I will do my best to live up to my side of the obligation and get you paid. And if you don't, you're just going to have to take them as REOs because I am tired of working to support my rental properties. And this is going on all over the United States with a, a lot of even names that you would recognize, folks that uh, folks that are on the national speaking circuit and so on, because at some point you got to say it's a business and I would not, if I were running a coffee shop and it was costing me 50 cents a cup to sell coffee, I wouldn't be selling it anymore. So, you know, I think what you're, what you're doing here, what you're attempting to do here is um, probably the most common uh, thing that 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 folks are doing right now, since your other loans 
uh, are apparently either already refinanced or are creative loans. Uh, the fact that it will make it very, very, very difficult for you to get a conventional loan for the next five to seven years if these properties go into foreclosure may or may not affect you. Um, the other thing that I have advised some folks to do lately is uh, if they if they are upside down, they can make the payments, they just don't want to anymore, uh, as a, again, a business decision, uh, is sometimes you can do sort of the equivalent of dollar cost averaging. You bought these three properties for what is now too much money, but now you can buy three more just like them at way under, under, under market and still get the same rents and then look at them as a package. Say so I've got six properties and the six of them, between the six of them, are cash flowing or at least breaking even. So the the biggest consideration in letting it go to the bank, of course, is what is it going to do to your credit? And I would definitely make one more run at your lenders because the reason they don't want to do loan modifications is partly because they're not owner-occupied, but partly because you're making your payments and they don't see any reason to um, have you do anything else other than continue to make your payments at the moment. If you stop making your payments, of course, they're likely to uh, decide that maybe you're serious about this. Now, don't take that as Vina's advice that you stop making your payments. You should talk to a legal and professional advisor before doing that. But, um, you know, that that's what I'm seeing a lot of folks do. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate. It's question and answer week. We're taking your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or your emails at askvina at gmail.com. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to Stuart on line one. Stuart, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you and thank you. It's been a great show again, as usual. Appreciate everything you do for the industry, Vina. <laughs> thank you. Uh, my question is, uh, you get a tenant. Tenant's helping you out does some lawn mowing, occasionally paints a apartment or something in exchange for a reduction in rent. Where are you legally on that? Or is that a box I don't even want to think about opening? Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> that my, my father was a big fan of that strategy. In, 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 the, in the smaller apartment buildings or uh, places where he would have four or five houses within a, a mile of each other and he would offer a tenant a rent reduction in order to do what you just said. And the problem with that, uh, both that happened to him and that when I inherited some of his tenants happened to me, is that when the tenant stops doing the work, getting him to pay the full rent is nearly impossible. Okay. It, 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 we had one of these situations recently, and this was again an inherited tenant where uh, the, the the market rent for the unit was six ninety five. She was paying nine ninety five because she was going to take out the garbage and you know vacuum the halls and keep the yard clean and things like that. And when that stopped happening, and we said, "Oh gosh, guess what? Your uh, rent is actually six ninety five a month." She said, "No, it's not. It's five ninety five. Prove it's anything else. I've been paying you five ninety five for for fourteen months, and you've accepted it. So prove that it's anything else." And you, we would have a very difficult time proving that it was anything else because taking that lease to court that said six ninety five would actually not hold as much weight with the court as the fact that we had accepted five ninety five. For months so and you months keep months the around. lease and you write a contract that says for $100 off, I will? Yeah, it's actually much cleaner to pay them. Okay. And then if they stop doing it, you can fire them. And, you don't, and you're not firing them as a tenant. You're just firing them as your little handyman kind right. of person. Now, from a, from a, like a, like a, like a legal and tax standpoint, it's not, you know, it's 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 really not the same to them for you to hand them a hundred dollars a month, right? I mean, right. They, they have to pay taxes on that if you if you hand them a hundred dollars a month. Where, where if they're getting a discount on the apartment, they they should be claiming it. But come on, they're they're not going to tell the IRS that. You're not going to tell the IRS that. Nobody's ever going to know, and there's going to be no taxes paid on that by you or by them. Um, so it that's does... why I called under an assumed name. <laughs> so it, uh, it, uh, it, it it's going to cost you a little bit extra. It's going to cost them a little bit extra in taxes uh, to um, to do it this way. And of course, uh, they are going to be an independent contractor from 
your standpoint. You're not going to give them an employment agreement or restrict them from doing this for other people or set their hours or anything of that nature. But but from the point of view of of what practically your largest problem is going to be, which is they stop doing the work, but they don't want to pay the increased rent, it's better to pay them. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much for your phone call, Stuart. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing, and it's question and answer week, which means uh, whatever questions you have, I'm here to answer them at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. I just got a question from Peter in Salt Lake City. He says, just wondering, does the type of deed that you receive affect the financing you're able to get from either a conventional or private lender? Or does title insurance make up all the issues that can come up when the seller does not fully warrant the deed? Great question, Peter, because just recently, as you're aware, there have been an enormous number of sales to investors or purchases by investors, if you'd like to put it that way, from two kinds of two particular kinds of sellers who don't give general warranty deeds one is banks as sellers banks selling their own REOs always want to give you a limited warranty deed or a limited deed of trust and basically what that says is we will only warrant the title up into uh, up, up through the time that we got possession of the title. So we're not warranting it past the foreclosure sale because that was when we got it and that was three months ago. So you're only getting a warranty on the deed for three months. The other kind of seller is buyers of bulk notes and bulk REOs. These are the folks who will go to Citibank or go to one of the one of the big banks and they'll buy $10 million worth of defaulted notes or $10 million worth of bank-owned properties all in one big package. And these folks want to give you a quit-claim deed instead of either a general or a limited warranty deed. And all a quit-claim deed says is, I'm not saying I got any interest in this property at all, but if I do, I am giving it to you with this deed. So let's talk about your question, which is what kind of financing are you able to get? And the really bigger question of the title insurance. Most banks and private lenders will loan you money, if, if assuming you were otherwise qualified, on properties that you acquired via a limited warranty deed or, of course, a general warranty deed. A quit claim deed is another question altogether. And and here's the difference. In most states, it is possible to get title insurance on a limited warranty deed or a general warranty deed or a trustee deed or all all of the various different kinds of deeds that folks use, except for the quit claim deed. In a lot of states, you cannot buy title insurance on a quit claim deed. Therefore, the lender, whether it be a conventional lender or a private lender, cannot get his loan insured from a title insurance perspective, and therefore he will not give you a loan. So the big danger is not in the limited warranty deeds, it is in the quit claim deeds. In some states it is possible to buy title insurance on a quit claim deed, assuming of course that you do a full title search and so on, but I'm discovering that in a lot of states it is not. So you had better find out in Utah whether or not quit claim deeds are um, able to be insured in the sense of getting title insurance for the lender and for the owner. If they are not, you are not going to be able to accept a quit claim deed. You are in all likelihood going to be able to accept a limited warranty deed because those can almost always be insured. Thank you so much for your question, Peter. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing Question and Answer Week. Give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. WMKV is proudly supported by the new Kensington Place Apartments at Mabel Knoll Village. The 56 new apartments offer a wide variety of floor plans and access to all the services and amenities available through Maple Knoll Village. The new Kensington Place Apartments, a place to live an active lifestyle in retirement. More information on the new Kensington Place is available at 513-782-2717. Let's check on traffic right now. We have an accident on eastbound Fort Washington Way, eastbound Fort Washington Way at the Vine Street overpass in the left center lane. Also an accident in the 11,000 block of Hamilton Avenue. 
Uh, Kenwood, south of Creek Road, you'll find an accident also southbound 75 south of 12th Street in Covington. It's on the right shoulder, not in the lanes of traffic, but you know how the Brent Spence's bridge this is this time of day, so it's just compounding a already bad situation. Uh, delays include eastbound 275 Montgomery to Ward's Corner, westbound 275 Mosteller to 75. Northbound 71, some backups uh, on the northbound 71 from the lateral, often on through Pfeiffer. And you're on the break southbound 71, Reading to the ramp to 471. 75, of course, some backups approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. And a northbound 75 between Hopple and Paddock and GE to 275. Your forecast tonight, partly cloudy skies. For the most part, just a very slight chance of a pop-up shower tonight. Otherwise, a comfortable evening. Turn off the AC, open the windows, a low of 55 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 77. And then tomorrow night will be uh, lows back in the 50s again. And then Friday, we start to, to warm back up a little bit. We could be back into the 90s or at least around 90 degrees by next Tuesday. But the weekend looks pretty good, too. Right now, we're at 83 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's the last Wednesday of the month, and that makes it question and answer week, which makes it your show, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call with any questions about real estate investing, or alternatively, you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. We are going to go back to the phones now and talk to Louise in Cincinnati. Louise, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello. Hi, Louise. Oh, I didn't realize I was... <laughs> you're, you're on the air. Did you have a question? Yeah, well, this is not about investing in real estate, but I have a question about real estate. Okay. I want to know, how, how can one go about finding out who are the top um, movers and shakers as far as selling real estate? What are the... The best realtors. Ah, the best the best real estate agents. Yes, indeed. And 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 I assume you're looking for one to sell your home. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's actually a great question, Louise, because there is a difference. There there's a difference between listing your property with your friend of a friend who just got their real estate license and the guy who sells a hundred properties a year, because the guy who sells a hundred properties a year has a whole network of people that he works with and 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 inspection companies and title companies and uh, knows how to pre qualify uh, your your buyers and uh, just can make your life a whole lot easier knows how to advise you correctly on how to stage your property and so on. Uh, agents tend to be, uh, agents at that level, let's say, tend to be specialists either in a particular kind of property such as luxury homes or uh, condos or uh, investment type properties, or they tend to specialize by geographic area. They're, they're the top salesperson in zip code 45211, okay, that sort of thing. Right. So a couple of things I would recommend to you. Uh, one is uh, call the Cincinnati Board of Realtors or uh, you can probably log onto their website and find the same thing out. They have they have this thing called, uh, oh, what's, it, what's it called? The Circle of Excellence. And the way one gets into that is by having a lot of sales, a lot of you know, sales in a given year, like a dollar figure of sales that is in excess of other people's. Um, exactly. Well, they they used to show that in the uh, Sunday real estate section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's really changed. Yes, <laughs> yes, it has, and. Uh, uh, but you can still you can still find out who is in that that circle of excellence. And the other thing that I would do is, uh, as you are looking around in your own neighborhood and you see signs go up and then sold signs go up, look to see whose name is on a lot of those sold listings. Okay. Because an agent can be very very good at listing homes without being very good at selling them. Yeah. And you 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 really want someone who's very good at selling them. So it should be fairly simple to be able to identify, okay, there's two or three agents around here who seem to have a lot of listings, and I'm going to interview them all and uh, see what they tell me about, about selling my property. Because the thing, the thing, Louise, that you have to remember is once you find a really great agent, one who's doing dozens to sometimes more than 100 closings a year, even in this market, is if they tell you list for price X and, oh, by the way, do X, Y, and Z to your house, you need to do it. 
because they they know what sells houses. And I know I've been there have been times when I've been very upset with my real estate agent for saying that even though I just fixed up this house, I now have to do this other thing to it. And 100 percent of the time he's turned out to be right. If I try mm-hmm. to sell it without doing that thing, it doesn't sell. <laughs> so, so take take their advice, but uh, check out the board's site and just kind of check out real estate signs in your neighborhood and see who seems to be doing a lot of listings, and you will probably be able to find somebody really good that way. Okay, could you tell me the name to look up online again? Uh, it's the uh, the Cincinnati Board of Realtors. I think it's probably okay. cabr.org or something I, like I that. I tried that once before, and I got some site that said, well, the top three agents are going to get back to you within 24 hours. Oh, yeah, that that's that's a, that's an advertising site. Yeah, that's... and it did, and of course, Nothing. It's it's it. Uh, here's the thing. It's cabr.org, not .com. Ah, okay. Okay, and if the, if it's not up on their site, you, you can certainly call them and find out where you can locate that information. Oh, thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no problem, Louise. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Right. It's your life, real estate investing question and answer week. It's always question and answer week. The last Wednesday of the month and. The show is all about your questions, which means when I don't have any questions, I kind of um, sit here and stretch and give the phone number out over and over and over again. It's 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email to askvina at gmail.com. A question here from blank in blank. Somebody did not follow directions. It says, with existing housing sales, the lowest in 15 years and lending at a standstill, how can investors get rid of properties? What exit strategies can we use? Is it time for a new game plan altogether? Also, considering the current market, what would you recommend with someone with zero money, over $100,000 in debt, and a 460-ish credit score to start as a real estate investor? Is there a place for a person like this to start? Well, um, Anonymous, which is what we're going to have to call you because you didn't put your name at the bottom of the email, you are absolutely right. Sales are at even a bigger low than they were this time last year. Uh, You've probably all seen the news release that came out last week that says that sales of existing houses plunged 27% in July. Um, over that's a year over year thing, by the way. And of course, the reason for that is that the economy is continuing to not recover. Folks are continuing to be hesitant about buying their move up home. And most importantly, and this is why we saw this in July, and it will probably recover sometime in the fall, uh, that first time home buyer tax credit thing sucked a lot of sales that should have happened throughout this year into the first quarter of this year. A lot of folks bought in January, February, March, and April that typically would have waited until July or August, but they wanted to get that first-time homebuyer tax credit. So it moved the demand into the front of the year, and of course, they then um, ended it. So yeah, big tumble in the stock market as a result. And um That made July the slowest existing home sale month since record-keeping began. Now, having said that, record-keeping began in 1999. So, Um, yeah, big, big, big slump in house sales in July of this year. But a 27% decrease in home sales still means that, what, 73 percent as many people who bought homes in July of 2009 also bought properties in July of 2010. It's not that properties aren't selling anonymous. It's that they're selling slowly and that uh, the buyers are being much pickier. And if you want to sell a property to a home buyer, uh, you really have to have a quality product in whatever price range that you are buying in. It's got or selling in. It has got to be a quality product. It's got to be fully renovated. It's got to have a little wow factor. It's got to have the the, the jacuzzi tub, for instance, instead of the regular tub. Yes, even in a hundred thousand dollar property. Why? Because that will make it just that much better than the other hundred thousand dollar properties that are on the market. Now you can't go all insane 
and do a $200,000 rehab on a $100,000 property. But you do have to have it really ready to go, really priced right, and with some oomph to it that your competitors do not have. Uh, Having said that, the other group of people that are buying like crazy and uh, hello banks would buy like more crazy if you would lend us any money are real estate investors. Real estate investors are buying, uh, by my guesstimate, and I, this is a guesstimate because I'm not, I don't think anybody's actually tracking this number, but I'm looking at the number of REOs and short sales that are selling every quarter. And by my guesstimate, real estate investors are buying like 20 or 25% of the existing properties that are selling each and every month. They're buying them as junkers and fixing them up and turning around and selling them as retail properties or as turnkey rentals to investors who don't want to do the renovation or they are holding them as rental properties. So I think that like the easiest way to sell properties right now, uh, particularly for someone who has a 460 credit score, no money and a bunch of debt is probably to find some of these great deals because of course the slump at home sales means more great deals and sell them to other investors who are looking to put the money into them, hold them for the cash flow and the equity, or sell them to some of the 73% of the folks who are still in the market who were in the market last time, last this time last year. So uh, wholesaling is what I would say to you, Mr. Anonymous, until you get rid of that $100,000 in debt and can therefore bring up your credit score um, and by the way, uh, hopefully you have a job too or else having a higher credit score and no debt isn't going to help you get financing in the conventional market at all. Private money market, yeah, conventional market, you got to have a job. Banks, get over it. Loan us some money. Seriously. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know how quickly we could get all your REOs off the market if you would just loan us some money to buy the properties? So anonymous, I would say the way investors can get rid of properties is number one, sell to other investors. Number two, sell to retail home buyers in the first time home buyer price range, a very good product at a very competitive price. Or number three, just plan to hold on to them for a few years as rental properties. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you know how to manage them right, you could increase your monthly income by hundreds to thousands of dollars a month by doing that. Thank you much for your email anonymous and remember next time who you are and where you're from please it's time for a quick break you're listening to real life real estate investing's question and answer week 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 are the numbers to call or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com support comes from rockdale temple rockdale temple a reformed jewish congregation dedicated to the values of spirituality community education and social action open to all for High Holy Day services. Rockdale Temple, where you are valued and values matter. Online at rockdaletemple.org. Let's check on traffic right now. We have an accident southbound 75 south of 12th Street on the right shoulder. Now, this is different from the earlier one that we mentioned. In fact, that one's still on the right shoulder as well. So there's two accidents southbound 75 on the Kentucky side of the Brent Spence Bridge, both of them on the right side. Still have an accident eastbound Fort Washington Way at the Vine Street overpass. It's moved over to the left shoulder. Accident in the 11,000 block of Hamilton, also in Kenwood Road south of Creek. And, of course, delays in the usual spots. Maybe a little heavier than usual. Eastbound 275 at Montgomery and westbound 275 between Mosteller and 75. Also heavier than usual southbound 75 approaching the Brent Spence Bridge because of that uh, previously mentioned uh, couple of accidents in Covington. Your weather forecast from the National Weather Service looks very, very nice. Tonight, partly cloudy skies, maybe a pop-up storm, but really uh, just a small chance. Tonight's low 55 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 78. Tomorrow night, we'll get back down in the 50s again. Friday will be in the lower 80s, and then each day after that, we'll slightly warm up. Uh, Mid-80s, upper 80s Sunday, Uh, maybe even 90 degrees Monday and Tuesday. But uh, for the next uh, 48 uh, or more hours, looks pretty nice. It's it's, uh, 84 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. 
It is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. And uh, I know a lot of you folks listen to our show on iTunes, on our podcast. And some of you don't even realize it's an actual radio show. It actually airs live and people can turn on their radios and actually hear it here in the greater Cincinnati area. You can also hear it if you are anywhere in the country near a computer from 5 to 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, that's Eastern Standard Time, by the way. You can go to wmkvfm.org and listen to the show live and streaming, which also means that you can check out the um upcoming show topics by going to realliferealestateradio.com. That is our uh, group there for real life real estate investors who love free, no hype information here on real life real estate. Uh, Join us and you'll be joining about 1900 other members and over 4,000 fans of real life real estate investing question and answer week. Waiting for your questions at askbina at gmail.com or at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Tim Norris, insurance agent extraordinaire and frequent guest on this show, did send me a little clip that I assume is for Stuart. Hope you're still listening, Stuart. It says, be wary not to create an unintentional employer-employee relationship, which could create a workers' comp exposure. Having tenants do odd jobs, such as clean-up, grass-cutting, or landscaping as a, way, as a way to reduce rent, may be construed as consideration and would potentially subject you to carrying workers' comp insurance. Do not confuse this with the upkeep and maintenance requirement of your lease. In other words, Stuart, in your single-family homes, if you have... Uh, you know, in your lease that your tent's going to mow the lawn, which is fairly common. Uh, that would not apply to this because that is him maintaining his own property. But when he goes next door and mows your other single family home, you have an issue here. It says, what I am addressing here is the reduction discount or even waiver of rent in exchange for labor provided by a tenant, especially when such place uh, when such labor takes place on or at locations other than the tenant's residence. The last thing you want or need is for this tenant to be injured while doing such work only to find your liability insurance will deny the claim based on such an arrangement. Hmm. Food for thought there, Stuart. Yeah, just pay him. Like I said, Uh, Robert in Hudson, Ohio says, if I hire a contractor who is not lead certified, will I get in trouble for hiring him or will the contractor get in trouble for doing the work or will both of us get in trouble? (laughs) That's a that's a great question, Robert. And of course, what he's addressing is the new lead paint rules. We did a show about that uh, back in the spring when they were supposed to go into effect, the government has subsequently decided that that will not happen until next month. But um, anyone disturbing more than something like three square feet of paint on the inside of a property uh, must have a lead certification to do any work, even if it doesn't seem, even if it doesn't seem like it would be work that would disturb paint. I I just had a conversation with my general contractor about installing some windows in a brick house and the windows that are coming out are aluminum slider windows. It's a brick house. So there's no paint to be disturbed on the outside. And the window company is saying it's going to cost more because we're going to need the lead certification for disturbing the paint. And I said, well, what, what paint are you disturbing? They're, they're aluminum windows. They're not painted. They're brick on the outside. Oh, well, you know, they're, they're in plaster walls. Well, okay, don't beat up my plaster walls and you won't, you won't disturb the paint. But they are very, very concerned about keeping within the requirements of the new lead certification laws because the fines and penalties for not keeping within them are huge. Now, Robert, as to your question, which is who gets in trouble when the contractor does this wrong? Uh, The answer is, theoretically, it's the contractor. However, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, if if the if the EPA and and HUD decide that they want to make some examples of people and find them $36,000 for not treating the lead, the theoretically lead painted surfaces as if they were radioactive, 
and they go after your non-certified contractor for $36,000, and of course he doesn't have it. Who who do you think is going to be next exactly? I mean, if they want to make an example of somebody, is it going to be Joe Contractor, or is it going to be Robert, who owns 150 units, and can easily be found and fined, and have that fine actually stick because he owns 150 units? I think the safe thing to do, Robert, is make sure your contractors are lead certified and make them actually follow the rules because the certification is not enough. You also have to do all that crazy stuff where you basically mask the whole house and uh, um, treat the paint as if it were toxic waste. And if you can't hear the sarcasm coming through in my voice, just let me say it. Um, it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous the way this is this is being treated. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Question from Josh in Syracuse, New York. He says, "Can you tell me a bit about how inflation historically affects real estate prices? That is, how a raise in inflation might similarly affect values this time around." I've always heard that real estate is a hedge against inflation, but maybe that's a bit simplistic, and things are different with the current economy. Maybe the question is also about what's the same and what's different in the economy compared to the most recent huge inflationary period we saw in the 1970s. Well, I'll tell you, Josh, the thing that's 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 different right this second, but will change when inflation takes off, is that interest rates are really, really low right now, which I think is probably part of what's keeping inflation in check. But of course, um, they can't stay low, because when you're borrowing trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars from other countries to pay for uh, a bunch of um, federal programs that largely, by the way, aren't working, particularly not in the housing department, as we saw by the 27% drop in house sales in July. Uh, the only way to pay it back is with a deflated dollar, and the only way to do that is let inflation run rampant. Now, although I was just a very small child in the 1970s, Actually, if I'm going to claim to be 29, I guess I can't even say I was born in the 1970s. But all right, let's have a moment of truth. I was a very small child in the 1970s, but my father was investing in real estate during that time. And I can tell you what I saw. Number one, uh, how the houses were a good hedge against inflation because they were increasing in value very, very rapidly. Um, the problem was that you had a house that the face value of it was $200,000 and uh, five years earlier it had been uh, $120,000, but you couldn't sell it because nobody could afford to buy it at 21% interest. So how did people sell their houses? They sold them creatively. They sold them on lease option. Uh, they did wraparound mortgages. They, 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 made, they made the financing so that a buyer could afford to buy the house they wanted at the higher price. The other thing that happened during that period was that rents inflated enormously. Uh, there was a time that my father had a uh, clause in his leases that said that he was allowed to do a cost of living rent increase every six months. And people signed those things. Because if they didn't sign them, what they were being offered out in the world was a month to month lease that could go up every single solitary month. And what he did was he used the the consumer price index and said, uh, you know, the prices have gone up this much in the last six months, therefore your rent is going up this month, this much. So that is why you have heard folks say that real estate is a good hedge against inflation because both the values and the rents tend to increase with inflation. Is it going to be different this time? Pfft. Not sure, Josh. Um, not sure how long interest rates are going to be held artificially low. Uh, not sure how much uh, a serious increase, again, in oil prices is going to affect everybody's ability to afford everything. I don't know. I don't know. But I feel a lot safer with real estate than I do with, say, um, I don't know, stocks and things like that. But, you know, having some canned food around isn't a bad idea either. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing Question and Answer Week. We have time for what, Mike? Like one more? Three we got three minutes left. So we got two and a half minutes. So we've got question for, we've got time for one half 
of one more question. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take this question that's from Sharon in Atlanta. She says, I'm thinking about moving to a very small town. The population is around 4,000 people. I've been successfully wholesaling at Atlanta. Am I going to be able to do that in this new location? <laughs> the answer is shared. Wow, 4,000 people. That is neither a lot of a lot of deals to draw from and a lot of potential sellers to draw from, nor is it a lot of potential buyers to sell to. And my experience with students who live in small towns is that in a town that size, I mean, that's tiny. Uh, everyone knows everyone else's business. So it's not like it's not like in Cincinnati where, you know, you can go put a property under contract and call 100 people about it and none of them have ever heard of the property and it's all new to them. You put a property under contract in town of 400 people or 4,000 people and someone's going to go, oh, that's the old Smith homestead. I heard they sold that for 32. What are you doing offering it to me for 40,000? So you may, you may need to expand into a little bit of a larger area there, Sharon, because uh, uh, yeah, you, you're going to have both a small number of deals and a small number of people to sell them to. And everyone that you're trying to sell to is going to know exactly what you paid for the property. And, you know, they're just going to go straight to Mrs. Smith and buy the old homestead themselves. So, but good luck with that and uh, enjoy your small town life there, Sharon. Thanks so much to Sharon and to all the folks who contributed great questions today to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Listening to 89.3 FM WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Streaming live 24 hours at WMKVFM.org. Stay tuned now for 12 News at 6 from Local 12 News and WMKV. The simulcast with news, weather, sports, and traffic coming your way next. by our forecast from the Weather Authority. This is Local 12 News.